listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. The number one thing that holds people back in life is fear. I've watched it happen time and time again with entrepreneurs. They begin seeing success but are afraid to leave the comfort of the 9 to 5 job. Or with others, they never even launch their dream business because of fear of what people will think. But today's guest has a few practical ways that we can be in overcoming this fear and stepping more into our genius zones. His name is Dr. Gay Hendricks. He's been seen on Oprah's show multiple times along with many other TV shows and hundreds of popular podcasts. We'll get more into his achievements during this episode as we talk about his book, The Big Leap. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 091. And now get ready to conquer your fear and take life to the next level. Here's my conversation with Dr. Gay Hendricks. Welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Thanks a lot, Alex. I'm really happy to be with you today. You've had such a huge impact in my life over the years, so I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today, and I know it's going to add immense value to the Creating a Brand listeners as well. And also, I know that your time is in very high demand, so I want to say thank you for spending this time with us today. Anytime I can support people living in the genius zone, I'm signed up. Thank you again so much for being here. I appreciate that. You're someone who spends the majority of their time in what you call this genius zone. And we'll definitely get into defining that throughout this episode. But first, I wanted to talk about something that's actually a byproduct of you living in your genius. And I wanted to be able to actually recite exactly how many books you've written. But I have to be honest, I, I couldn't keep count. I know that it's more than 40 at this point, though, right? Well, I just had my assistant do that, as a matter of fact. And I believe the number, the magic number is 46. The reason it's uh, probably that high is I write mystery novels in my spare time. So I've written eight or 10 mystery novels that have been published in addition to things like The Big Leap. 46 books. That's wild. I'm still working on my first. Uh, also, I actually heard a rumor. I'm not sure if it's true, but or if you're willing to really talk about it. But apparently Netflix has picked up one of your books. Am I right in saying that? Oh, yes. Well, uh, that's one of my mystery novels. Uh, about 10 years ago now, eight years ago, something like that, I got a flash in the middle of the night about a detective character that I wanted to develop, a Tibetan Buddhist private detective in Los Angeles. And so I started developing a series of mystery novels about him. And his name is Tenzing Norbu, but he goes by the nickname of Ten, uh, short for Tenzing. And so the books uh, are all published. Uh, there's the first rule of 10, the second rule of 10, the third rule of 10. They're all, uh, they have rule in the title because each one of them is developed around a particular metaphysical law or rule. And so, um, yes, uh, Netflix came to me. Well, actually, right after the books got published a few years back, a movie company in London optioned the mystery novels, but then they never could get the movie made financing and all that. So the, I got the option back and then Netflix picked it up. And so I'm in the middle of trying to, I'm still trying to get the, uh, the movie or the TV show made. It's a sort of a long Hollywood story. It's been up and down and up and down and up and down. And we almost had it ready. And then, ah, so it's, uh, my next big leap will be to get the, my mystery novels, out there so you can actually watch them on your TV screen. 
I have no doubt that you're going to make it happen, Gay. I'm actually looking forward to the day that I open up Netflix and see your series on the suggested section. Anyway, we got to transition our topic today because we've got to add some value to the listeners. And you actually mentioned already The Big Leap, which is one of your books, one of your most popular books, actually. And you talk about how to conquer your fear and take life to the next level. Before we dive into this, I think the best place to start would just be talking about what what is The Big Leap? Can you define that for us? Yes, The Big Leap is about two different subjects, two really big subjects that I think every human being needs to look into. The first big subject is what I call the upper limit problem, which is the tendency to sabotage ourselves when things are going well. And I lay out a kind of a roadmap in the big leap for how to move through the upper limit problem. And I show that it's based and rooted in several different fears that I'll be happy to describe in a moment. But the second thing the big leap is about is about the genius zone, how to find your own individual genius inside you and cultivate that and nurture that genius. And again, I think the reason the big leap has uh, stayed so popular over the past 10 years is that I try to lay out a specific roadmap for just how to do it. And also in the, in the latest book, The Joy of Genius, um, I'm very interested in writing books that give people practical suggestions on how to move through the places in their life that will get them to that place where you're living in your genius all the time. I set the goal when I first discovered this, which was maybe 30, 35 years ago, I realized I was only spending 10% of my time in my genius zone. Hmm. I call it a genius zone when you're doing what you most love to do. So that's number one, doing what you most love to do and you're doing it in a way that makes the biggest possible contribution to other people. So that's your genius zone. So the big leap shows you how to dismantle your upper limit problem by finding out which of the basic fears keeps you hung up when you get stuck by the upper limit problem. Right. The first big fear that everybody needs to look at is what I call the fear of outshining, which is a fear that you don't deserve to really occupy your full genius for some reason, that it'll outshine other people and that will be bad. So that's our belief is that we got to keep our light dimmed down and tucked in so that we don't make other people feel bad by the display of our genius. Hmm. So that's something that comes right out of elementary school and sometimes out of our relationships with our brothers and sisters growing up. So oftentimes there's a kind of a golden boy or a golden girl in the family and everybody else in the family is supposed to keep it turned down a little bit so that that golden boy or golden girl can really shine. But in my view, we all need to find that way we can shine because I think, you know, I've worked with more than 20,000 people now in the past 50 years that I've been doing work like this. And one thing I've found is that our individual beliefs are what keeps us from really shining with our genius. A lot of people think they they have the belief that they don't fundamentally deserve love or good things happening, or they don't deserve success. And so that belief keeps people tucked in and pulled back and not displaying their full genius. So one of the big fears is the fear of outshining. But another one of the big fears is the fear that there's something fundamentally wrong or bad about me, you know, that uh, Mm. I've done something wrong. So therefore I don't deserve the good things of life. And so 
what I want to say is that everybody deserves the good things of life. Nobody deserves anything more than anybody else does. And it's only our individual limiting beliefs that keeps us stuck. And once we get out from under those, the sky's the limit. Your zone of genius is there waiting for you to tap it every moment. This fear that you're describing has been what I've seen hold myself and so many people back in their lives. It keeps them from really getting where they want to go. And this upper limit problem is it keeps us from excelling. And when we do, we self-sabotage or feel like we just don't deserve to be where we are or where we're going. And again, I've seen this happen just time and time again, even people that are very, very close to me in my life. And it's sad to see. And and because it's so common, would you mind expanding on this topic of overcoming fear? Again, for so many of us, this is what's holding us back from that genius zone. I know that hearing this explanation that you have would be really helpful for everybody. Yes. Well, here we say fear is excitement without the breath. And that means that if you can remember to breathe when you're scared, when you get scared, if you can... Mm, stay with it rather than shutting down or, or, you know, there's four, what we call the four F's are the four things people do when they're scared. They fight, they flee, they freeze, and they faint. Those are the four F's. Now, I don't mean they actually, when I say faint, I don't mean they keel over and hit the ground, but faint, they get kind of spacey in their heads and they get a little confused, can't think straight. So that's the symptom of that faint response. So a lot of people, though, when they get scared, they start an argument. Some people, when they get scared, they pull back and kind of stonewall and tuck in inside. And some people actually get so tight that it's like they freeze up in their mind, and their body, their bodies feel frozen and stuck. And so Look for the four F's. Look for the four F's, the ways you express yourself when you get scared. And remember, though, that there's excitement right under that fear, that if you remember to breathe and be with that fear, turn it into excitement for how you can express your genius. That's really what's happening because you're afraid maybe when you start tapping into this, you're afraid that you don't have a genius or you're afraid that you don't know how to express your genius. But as you start opening up to that and realize that you do have this aspect of you down inside, this part of you that knows how to do things that you love to do and knows what you most love to do. But if you can get busy expressing those things, that takes care of a lot of the fear in your life. Your fear disappears to the extent that you express your genius. It really is so important for us to get past these fears. And what you just shared is a phenomenal way for people to begin making this happen. Thank you for sharing that. When we're done recording, I know I'm going to go back and listen to that again myself. I I definitely need to hear it as well. Now to move this conversation along, I want to transition into talking about our zone of genius. But before we jump straight into that, there's actually four zones that you talk about in total. The last one and most ideal is the genius zone, but there's three others before that. Can you walk us through each of them? Oh, exactly. And um, the four are... If you look through your whole day, you're usually going to be showing up in one of four zones. The bottom rung of the ladder, almost all of us are doing something that we're not very good at. I call that the incompetence zone. And so the incompetence zone or when you're trying to do something you're just fundamentally don't like and you're no good at. I give in the big leap the example of this uh, a consultant friend of mine who gets paid when he's coaching people a thousand dollars an hour 
one weekend he called me on Sunday afternoon and said he had spent 13 hours over the weekend trying to install his new computer, including uh, his new printer, including four hours on the phone to Hewlett Packard. And so I pointed out to him, I said, Tom, do you realize that you have invested $13,000 in doing something in your zone of incompetence? And he hadn't even thought about it that way. Uh -huh. You know, he, oh my gosh. So he went out and hired a kid down the block for a hundred bucks and <laughs> did it, I think in about a half an hour and 45 minutes, came <laughs> up the block and installed his printer for him and walked out with a hundred dollar bill. So if possible, get out of your zone of incompetence as soon as you can. Look for a way to delegate that or get somebody else to do it. The second zone that we need to keep our eye on is the zone of competence, where you're doing things you're good at, but somebody else could do them just as well. So you're doing this stuff that somebody else could do just as well, and you're taking up your time that could be spent in your top two zones. The top two zones are the zone of excellence and the zone of genius. Where most people get stuck is in the zone of excellence. And here's why. In the zone of excellence, you're doing stuff that you're good at. You're better at it than most people. And people like it when you do it. And they pay you more. And they give you promotions when you're excellent in your work. And yet, it can be the biggest trap of all because, especially with creative, gifted people like yourselves, and the people that, that uh, tune into this podcast, you're the kind of people that really get frustrated if you don't express your genius. If you spend too much time in your zone of excellence, a frustration builds up. So life stops being fun. Work stops being exciting. Life takes on a dullness if you're not expressing your genius. So what you have to do is make that sometimes scary big leap out of that eventually and start doing your zone of genius, even if you only do it for 10 minutes a day to start with. Hmm. With most of the time, when people come here to do seminars and come here to do our, well, now we do them on Zoom, but when they used to come here to do our live and in-person seminars, we would ask people at the beginning, how much time are you spending every day in your genius zone? And we would get a range of responses from zero up to, you know, 50 or 60, something like that. But here's the thing, no matter how much of your genius you're expressing, I can guarantee you that there's two thirds more that you haven't tapped into hmm. yet. So when I started, I was expressing about 10% of my time in my genius zone. And I started, I set the goal then to go to 30%. And that took me a couple of years. And then I set the goal of going to 50%. That took me a couple of years. But back in the 90s, I set myself the goal of getting to 90% by the end of the 90s. And so I managed to do that. So since 1999, I've been spending 90% of my time in my genius zone. Wow. And the other part of my day doing stuff I'm not necessarily a genius at, but I, I enjoy doing it because it makes a contribution. Like, I'm the guy around here that uh, handles the kitty litter, and I'm the guy around here that <laughs> loads the dishwasher. I'm not a genius dishwasher loader or kitty kitty litter wrangler, but um, it's something I do for the contribution of it. But 90% of my time 
if you looked in my window, you'd see me doing some version of what I'm doing now, either writing about this subject or lecturing about it or giving a keynote speech about it. And suddenly when I realized the importance of the genius zone and, and getting people out from under their upper limit problem, you know, I, like they say, uh, I'm my own best customer because my wife and mm. I started using the exact same tools in our relationship. And we decided to create a no criticism and blame zone in our relationship hmm. where we made a conscious choice to eliminate blame and criticism from our relationship at home. And it took us a few years to do that. But again, for the last 20 years, my wife and I haven't said a single critical or blameful thing to each other. Wow. And so in that kind of environment, your genius can really flourish because you're not engaged in criticism and defending yourself all of the time. So I know it can be done. It just takes a little dedication and consciousness. I don't say it takes work because it's not really work uh, because it's conscious kind of work. And uh, every little bit pays off in more positive energy in your life. So it's not really like work at all. Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here, and I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast, and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now, let's get back to today's episode. At the beginning of this conversation, I asked you how many books you have written and about your deal with Netflix intentionally. And that's because as soon as people hear about accomplishments like what you shared, we immediately turn to some sort of disbelief for our own lives. We say things like, I could never do that, or how is that even possible? Regardless, you directly correlate your achievements to the amount of time you spend in your genius zone. And Gay, when I first learned about you and your achievements, I was one of the people asking, how is this even possible? And thankfully, as I began exploring, I found the big leap. And that's when you really started having a big impact in my life. At that point, I realized that although I had done exceptionally well in my aerospace career, it was because I was in my zone of excellence. I was better than most people at the work that I was doing, and I continuously got promoted as a byproduct of that, but I was never really fulfilled by the work. Then in summer 2019, I launched this podcast, and not only did I find what I loved doing, but I also realized I had stepped into this genius zone. And to make a long story short, because I've already talked about this a little too long, I'm proud to say that I'm now doing this podcast full time along with my startup Podmatch. But now that I'm doing these things full time, and I think this is where it's really going to relate well for the listeners today. I'm realizing that I can't always operate in this genius zone. And I'm actually quite often and more normally I'm in my zone of competence or even my zone of excellence because I've got to do all the work with something so new like this. So what would you say to somebody who's making this big leap or this transition to operate more in their genius zone, but is also getting pulled back by there are other zones, right, that they have to do because it's part of the work. What are your what are your thoughts about what I'm sharing here? Well, I yes, I don't recommend that people shut down everything and just, you know, paddle off in the canoe to Tibet to focus on their genius or anything <laughs> like that. I recommend starting small. I recommend uh, it's like doing chin ups at the gym. I have a friend named uh, Scott who lost 30 pounds and got into good shape by setting the task of doing one chin up a day for one week, two chin ups a day for the second week, and so on. So by the end of the year, he was doing 52 chin ups a day, and he completely oh transformed his body without even 
you know, getting sore along the way. So I recommend the slow and steady approach. Like here, even if a person, an executive is coming here for one of our $25,000 day long intensives, what we have them do first is go in a room by themselves for 10 minutes and just be by themselves and ask themselves, hmm, what is my true genius? Hmm. hmm, what is my true genius? And we don't even give them a pad to write down on. We want them just to immerse themselves in that question for 10 minutes. And you wouldn't believe after 10 minutes of focusing on that, people come out and they look like they've been reborn. Hmm. Why didn't I do that 20 years ago? People will say, <laughs> if I just sat down for 10. And so we know that if we can get you in a room and start you focusing on your genius for 10 minutes, it becomes an addiction that makes you want to go for 20 minutes next week and an hour the week after that. So I recommend building it up. And what we recommend, first of all, all of your listeners, I recommend highly you do this, put it in your calendar. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're going to do 10 minutes a day your first week. Okay, put it in your calendar. Make sure it's in there because a lot of times people will push off and put aside their genius so they can have an argument with their mate or they'll push aside 10 minutes of their genius so they can uh, have an extra slice of uh, pie after lunch or something like that. So we want you to prioritize your genius because we know if you do that, that's going to make everything else in life go much better. For example, we've done a lot of research here on what happens to people's relationships after people start focusing on their genius. Arguments start to come down. Good feeling starts to go up because when both people in a relationship are focused on their own creative passions, it opens up a new space of of good feeling in the relationship. And it gives people a new place to come home to in themselves, that place of, of deep genius. I really like this idea that you're sharing of starting with just 10 minutes a day. Are there certain questions that we should be asking ourselves during this time or even a framework that you recommend following? Yes. The first thing to do is ask yourself some big questions like, hmm, what do I most love to do? And hmm, what is it that when I do it, I lose track of time? I love it so much. And so those are some good questions to get you pointed toward your genius. There are really two things you need to get started, and neither one of them cost a nickel. The first one is your willingness. You need to be willing to open up your genius. So that's the first thing to do, is to get willing. The second thing to do is to make a commitment to it. And as I say, both of those are absolutely free. Commitment is something that only you in your heart know that you make. And so if you can come out and make a commitment to bringing forth more of your genius, that's one of the most powerful starting things you can do. Commitment comes from two Latin words that means to bring together all of your resources and set forth. So when you commit to something, you bring forth your resources and you set forth, you take a step. So those two things, keep that in mind because always in life, we need to keep opening up our willingness 
to learn and our willingness to move forward. Here's something really fascinating. I came across an Australian study the other day. I have a science background and I, I like to read the you know, actual studies in my field of psychology. And an Australian study, they asked people to go in a room for 10 minutes and just be alone with their thoughts. Okay, pretty simple, right? Right. Then they told people that they could get out of doing that by giving themselves a painful electric shock. Well, now me, I'd go in a room and just be there for 10 minutes and be right. alone with my thoughts. For one reason, I've meditated every day since uh, 1972. So I meditate for, you know, half an hour or so twice a day. And so I'm used to being by myself. But a lot of people are so uncomfortable with it that 75% of the men elected to give themselves an electric shock rather oh than sitting alone with their thoughts for 10 minutes. And 25% of the women elected to give themselves an electric shock. So I think that's terrible. <laughs> and uh, I wonder, <laughs> I, we're doing a very poor job of, of inviting people, I think, to be alone with themselves and to go deep inside. So, um, but you can kind of think of it in a way like, there's a tremendous pull in life to be outwardly directed, you know, to pay attention mm -hmm. to the latest fads and to buy the latest fashions and to eat at the latest restaurants and to wear the latest clothes and all those kinds of things that are pulling us toward the outside and making us think of ourselves as outer focused. But really, it all comes from inside, because when you are lined up with your life purpose when your mind and your body and your heart are all lined up in what you most want to do, that means every moment of life, you're really not working. You know, even though I probably, if you counted up the minutes of my day, I probably work more than most people do. None of it feels like work for me because I'm always doing stuff that's in my genius zone. Yeah, It's always stuff that I love to do and would do free anyway. Uh, the fact is that I make a lot of money doing it. I love doing things that uh, make a lot of money, but I would happily, if there was somebody other way to, uh, you know, buy my house and stuff, I'd be happy to do this free because this is what I love to do. So I initially thought that the big call to action that we'd have for the audience today, which is to spend that 10 minutes alone to start finding your genius would be really easy. But now that you've talked about how an average of 50% of people would rather shock themselves, I'm not sure it's even the safest challenge to bestow on the listeners today. Regardless, creating a brand, let this be your big takeaway today. Get alone, begin searching for your inner genius. If you can't do 10 minutes, work your way up to it like Gay's friend doing the chin-ups. What's important is that you begin identifying your unique genius. And even more importantly than that is finding a way, even if just for small moments, to begin to operate in that zone. Gay, this is so powerful what you're sharing with us today. Thank you for that. And now before we end our time together, I want to make sure that we learn as much from you as we possibly can. Can you please share a final thought with us on this topic? Yes, here at the uh, Hendricks Institute, when you graduate, you get a little wristband, a little silicon wristband. And on it, it says, breathe, move, love. And what that means is all of those three things are yours. You control those. No matter how stuck you are, you can always remember to take a few big breaths. <sighs> and you can always remember to stretch your body and move around and not sit in the same position and get locked into the same position. Ultimately, though, it says breathe, move, love on the wristband because ultimately, all of our problems come from something that we found to be unlovable in mm -hmm. ourselves. The reason that those folks 
would give themselves an electric shock rather than sitting alone with their thoughts for 10 minutes is they're afraid that there's something unlovable in there they're going to find. And there isn't. You know, there's only stuff that needs to be loved. There's nothing genuinely unlovable that any human being comes wired with, no matter what you've done in your life. So it's all about a process of opening up and being willing to learn where you get stuck, being able to move through your upper limits and being able to land yourself in that genius zone and stay there and live your life from that place. I so appreciate you ending this episode with talking about the importance of loving yourself. That's such a powerful perspective and way to conclude this episode. Gay, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Alex. Blessings to you. Dr. Hendricks is not only full of practical wisdom for how to become the best version of yourself, he's also such an encouragement to talk to. If you're wondering what to do after listening to this episode, I do encourage you to take that 10 minutes to ask yourself what your genius zone is. Once you know, begin taking steps to live in it, even if it's just for a moment every single day. I speak from experience, putting this into practice can change your life. Gay, thank you again for being a guest and sharing your wisdom with us today. To pick up a copy of Dr. Gay Hendricks' book, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 091. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week. Music.